Welcome to Parenting Your Sensitive Child. Parenting a highly sensitive child can feel overwhelming, and all the parenting books in the world can only get you so far if your head and your heart are out of alignment with your child's. I'm your host, Julia McGarry. Let's create a new parenting paradigm. Hey y'all, welcome to episode 101. In some ways, I feel like this episode has been a long time coming. And at the same time, I know I had to get myself ready for this one because this isn't what I typically talk about. And it is so important, with all, especially with all of the anxiety created by the pandemic, it's become even more important, more pressing that we raise awareness about this that we start talking about this. I'm going to talk today a little bit about a particular presentation of autism, PDA profile. And I really hope to do so in a way that is sensitive, doesn't create alarm, and doesn't do unintentional harm to PDA kids and families. I know I can't fully control that, especially since this isn't something that I live with, and yet here I am speaking about it, right? But this is important enough that it's worth taking a risk of getting something maybe a little bit wrong, of being called out for unintentionally doing harm. I just want you to know my intentions are good, and if I do mess up, please tell me, okay? Anyway, I think the best way to go about this is to treat this episode as a doorway or a starting point. I'll share with you my understanding of PDA profile, and if you think it sounds like your child, I encourage you to do a deep dive, paying particular attention to autistic adults who are speaking up about their experience with PDA. PDA Our Way on Facebook is a good one to follow, Steph's Two Girls is a blog that has so much information, and Paige Lyell on YouTube is really funny and informative. Okay, I will link to those people in the show notes, and I want to get started just by inviting you to think of a three-way Venn diagram. So there's a circle for autism, there's one for giftedness, and there's one for ADHD. These three forms of neurodiversity have certain qualities that set them apart, right? They're different forms of brains. They're different types of brains. But they also have shared qualities like sensory differences and emotional sensitivity and intense curiosity. They do overlap a little bit and they can be a little bit confusing And interestingly, the qualities that they have in common include traits that we might recognize as highly sensitive traits. This is why it's so important that we don't write our kids off as just highly sensitive. It's important to understand what can go along with being highly sensitive so we make sure our kids are getting the support they need. It's very common for gifted kids to be highly sensitive and Twice exceptional kids, kids who are gifted, 
and present another form of neurodivergence, say, including, but not limited to, ADHD or autism. These twice exceptional kids or 2E kids, they're not uncommon. It's so important to consider the whole picture and not write off other possibilities because one possibility fits well. And PDA is an important one to understand if your child has big meltdowns and you feel like you're constantly walking on eggshells. So what is PDA profile autism? PDA clinically stands for pathological demand avoidance, although many PDAers prefer persistent drive for autonomy. It is an anxiety-based form of autism in which demands, even perceived demands of everyday tasks, are treated immediately as a threat. They're interpreted immediately as a threat and the brain reacts by saying no. I'm going to go into a bit more detail of what that looks like in a minute, but I've got to note that PDA profile isn't actually a diagnosis in many countries. I'm in the United States, and it's not part of the DSM. That means that your child might present as PDA profile, but you went through the diagnostic process and were told they were not autistic. This is so frustrating, and it just means that the diagnostic criteria hasn't caught up yet. It has come a long, long way in the past 30 years, but it's still not where it should be. And if you suspect your child has this particular profile going on, then it's worth seeking out professionals who understand this profile of autism to get more information. Even if you already went through the diagnostic process and were told that it was just anxiety, for example. That said, PDA is recognized in the UK, and I want to share with you their identification guidelines according to the PDA Society of the UK. And again, I'll put links to all of these resources in the show notes, so if you want to check any of them out, just go to the description of this episode. This is what the PDA Society says about when to consider a PDA profile. A PDA profile is usually identified as part of an ASD or more holistic neurodevelopmental assessment when marked demand avoidance has been mentioned in referrals or screening questionnaires. However, there may be other times when a health, education, social care, or other professional involved with an individual and their family should be encouraged to consider a PDA profile as being an underlying cause for behaviors or presentations which include marked demand avoidance. These times may include, but are not limited to, reports of stubborn refusal around ordinary, everyday tasks, including things an individual is known to like or enjoy, or things that they need to do, such as eat, drink, wash, or use the bathroom. Individuals with a list of previous diagnoses, or indeed no formal diagnosis at all, but who are still considered as perplexing. 
those who have an ASD diagnosis but it doesn't quite fit, or who are on the cusp of but do not meet ASD diagnostic criteria. Someone with an ADHD diagnosis. ADHD often co-occurs alongside ASD and can sometimes overshadow autistic traits in early childhood. Someone for whom no previous suggestions for support have helped, regardless of existing diagnosis, or for whom usual autism strategies have been tried but not worked for those with an autism diagnosis. A history of missed appointments where the individual has been unable to access or attend. In childhood, regular school refusal and or repeated school exclusions. In childhood, where very different presentations are reported between the school and home environments and or where a breakdown in communication has occurred between school and home. Where concerns have been raised around unconventional parenting approaches and where it's perceived that a child is being accorded too much control. In some cases, this may have led to consideration being given to investigate parents for fabricated or induced illness. Individuals with complex needs who are seemingly stuck with inpatient, within inpatient units or having difficulty managing in other settings. So we're getting into like the adult presentate, what it looks like in adults, right? Finally, individuals with perplexing presentations who are in the criminal justice system. Now, I don't imagine those last few would be what you're looking at right now, and they're definitely not a guaranteed path for your child, right? Don't I don't want you to hear that and think, oh no, my child is going down this path and there's nothing I can do to stop it. Don't let it scare you. But you do need to know that it is traumatic for a child who is autistic and doesn't understand why they feel like everybody else has it so much easier than they do. Okay, it, it can create a lot of trauma for children living with undiagnosed autism or living with PDA profile because if they're not diagnosed, often they're just assumed to be malicious and it's not the case. If any of this sounds familiar, I really want to encourage you to dig a little deeper, especially if every day is a struggle. You can always reach out to me and schedule a consultation to see if I'd be a good fit to help you. I mean, I can't give you a diagnosis, but I can help you figure out how to connect with and encourage and, and support your child in a way that helps reduce their spikes in anxiety and leads to fewer meltdowns. Occupational therapists and speech-language pathologists who are familiar with PDA profile are good starting points, too. And at the very bare minimum, check out the Declarative Language Handbook by Linda K. Murphy. The way we talk to our kids matters, and this is doubly true for PDAers. I'll put a link to the book in the show notes as well. So all that said, I want to leave you with a few other noteworthy traits that are common in PDA kids. First is school avoidance. 
for school refusal. The PDA Society of the UK, they've tracked, because of the health system in the UK, they've been able to track kids who have a diagnosis of PDA profile. And they've reported that as many as 70% of those kids are not in school or regularly struggle to attend school. And I suspect that COVID has only exacerbated this, right? Additionally, PDA kids are more likely to fixate on a special person than a stereotypical special interest that you've likely seen with other forms of autism. They also tend to hit their milestones when they're young, which is a big part of why it's hard to get a diagnosis for them. They often have very good imaginations, so they can be hard to identify until they get a little bit older. They also might seem like they have oppositional defiant disorder. The best way I can explain the difference between ODD and PDA is that PDA kids are not willfully defiant. They can't help their demand avoidance. It's literally part of their fight or flight response. A child with ODD might be pushing against a power dynamic, and that's a difference too. Kids with PDA profile typically don't recognize that kind of hierarchy. They have a hard time recognizing hierarchies of power. They don't have a strong sense of, I should listen to them because they're an authority figure. Or on the flip side, I'm going to fight back because they are an authority figure and I don't want them to control me. Instead, it really is an anxiety response. And the source of the demand triggering the anxiety is basically irrelevant. Okay, I've poured a lot of information into this episode, into this these 13 minutes. I hope it's helpful to you. Please reach out with any questions. And as always, I hope you have a good week and I'll catch you next time. Do you feel like you're parenting 24-7 and you're still not sure your child is getting what they need? Are you ready to stop parenting reactively and start living in partnership with your sensitive child? Are you ready to reclaim time for yourself and time for your dreams? Then you're going to want to explore coaching with me. I help my clients tune out all the noise, better understand their kids, build a parenting strategy that meets their family's specific needs, and do the mindset work necessary to implement that strategy consistently without sacrificing themselves in the process. To get started, just head over to partnerpath.com, click on coaching, and get your free consultation set up. Let's get to know each other.